This is the MLW Radio Network. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Overbooked with Mike Freeland. Welcome back to another episode of Overbooked, where we cover the unauthorized story of ECW. My name is Mike Freeland. I'm sure you're familiar with me. I am the host of Front Row Material, which airs each and every Wednesday on the MLW Radio Network. Hope everybody is doing well and ready to jump back into the next chapter of our book, This one is going to be interesting. This one is probably one of the most controversial chapters that we've had in this book, and one that recently was brought up again with the New Jack documentary on the dark side of the ring. This was really, really interesting to me when it happened, and obviously it's one of those stories that never seems to get old. It never seems to quite go away, but we're going to be talking about mass transit. Now, I know when I say the words mass transit, a lot of people probably just go, oh, I can't believe that happened. It was pretty bad, you guys. not going to lie to you. I had been a wrestling fan for years, and when the mass transit situation happened, it was one of those that you almost remember where where you were when you heard about it. And uh, we're going to go into it. We're going to talk about all the players, what happened, what happened backstage, what was Paul's involvement, how did this whole mass transit situation affect ECW, because this definitely had a ripple effect. This was not something that was a one-time thing at a show, and it was over. It uh, it definitely, uh, its seeds were planted in many, many other areas. On November 23rd of 1996, ECW had a house show in Revere, Massachusetts. Now, on that show, a scheduled match was supposed to be Axel, Rotten, and Devon Dudley versus the Gangsters, New Jack and Mustafa. However, what had happened was Axel Rotten had some travel problems. He unfortunately was not able to get to the show, so ECW realized that they were in a difficult situation. So conventional wisdom would say, okay, somebody else on the roster is probably going to step in. They'll have a tag team partner for Devon. The show will go on, et cetera, et cetera. Or let's just change the match up. Let's do something a little bit different. Did any of those scenarios come into play? They did not. Uh, Were they even discussed? I don't know. I don't know what they were hoping would happen with this situation. But uh, that was the first flaw in this whole thing. Oh, we're missing somebody. We'll just find someone to fill in. Which doesn't seem like a bad idea. However, when you find out who filled in, that's where things got a little weird. So the volunteer uh, was a very large young man named Eric Koulos. And I'm sure you've probably heard that name about 100,000 times if you were an ECW fan or even a wrestling fan in general. But he didn't go by that name. He went as Mass Transit. That was his uh, his character that he portrayed. Eric Kulas pulled up, and he arrived to the arena about two hours before uh, the show started. And at that time, the wrestlers were all in the ring, stretching, warming up, getting ready. Security was getting things in place. And Stu Kaplan, who has been quoted many times in this book, says, I was standing right there at the front when he walked in. He came in about two hours before the show and started walking up to us with his father and another guy. 
This was a midget wrestler. He looked maybe 19 years old. He had a big round baby face and a big round body. He looked like a big kid. So in fact, Eric Kulas was only 17 years old at the time. However, he was telling people that he was 23 years old. Now, Kaplan said that the Kulas group almost forced a confrontation within seconds of arriving. They started walking back towards the curtain and Kaplan said, no, can I help you? Kulas said, we're going to be on the show tonight. Kaplan told the group to wait there while he went in the back to get someone from ECW to come out. Kaplan insisted that they wait until someone comes out to talk to them. Well, that someone that came out from the back was Taz. Evidently, Taz briefly talked to the group and then accompanied them backstage. Now, according to the book, it wasn't too much longer that Kulas was actually in the locker room area, dressing room, preparing, putting on his bus driver outfit. Uh, Kulas had told people backstage in ECW that he had two prior matches on the independent circuit, but that was the sum of his wrestling experience. However, Kulas's father had a conversation with Paul Heyman that the 17-year-old had been trained by Killer Kowalski. So at that point in time, Killer Kowalski was, and still is, a very influential name in the wrestling business. He had been very successful, obviously, as a wrestler, and then obviously subsequently upon his retirement in training people. So Paul took the father's word that he was trained by Kowalski and that he did have a few matches and that, you know what, we're in a difficult situation. This might just work out. He'll be able to get some experience, et cetera, et cetera. Here's the other problem. Here's problem number two in the whole situation. Well, no one bothered to check to see if the claim that he had been trained by Killer Kowalski was correct, even though, here's problem number three. Killer Kowalski was backstage that night at the show. So, I'm sorry I'm having to pause here because, once again, 17-year-old kid with his father walks into a show, claims he's 23 years old, tells Paul Heyman that he's worked on the independent circuit, he's been trained by Killer Kowalski, goes backstage, Kowalski's there, there is zero interactions with Killer Kowalski to ask him if this is even factually accurate. Once again, this is, uh, this is just, this is a situation that is destined for disaster from the word go. So if he and his father are lying about his age, clearly lying about being trained by Killer Kowalski was not enough, uh, Kulas did not exactly ingratiate himself once he made it into the locker room. Uh, he had a bad impression on three workers by asserting that he wanted to do the match his way instead of just sitting back, shutting his mouth, and listening to what the veterans had to say. Now, Kulas did say he had one question. He had never bladed before in a match, and he wanted to know if New Jack would help him. If we haven't gotten off the rails already, asking New Jack to do this... Mind you, had he been that experienced with ECW, had he been that experienced with New Jack, maybe not. Um, but it, it just seems to get even worse. So the kid goes backstage, starts shooting off his mouth instead of, if he's going to be in this match, listening to what other people say, getting through the, the night, getting some experience, and moving on with life, right? Now he wants to blade. Now he wants New Jack to be the one who does it because he doesn't feel comfortable blading himself. So for everybody who may or may not be familiar, and sometimes with wrestling and wrestling terminologies, it's, it's a good time just to kind of pause and recap. So blading basically is the process of making yourself bleed. 
So what will happen is a lot of times there will be a piece of a razor blade that wrestlers will either conceal in uh, their wrist tape or they'll put it in their mouth. And what they'll do is they'll draw a very, very short line um, or even just a nick in a lot of cases. And then obviously you're, you're perspiring and whatnot. The blood will flow. Well, this kid obviously did not feel comfortable doing it, so he asked New Jack if he would do it. New Jack obliged. He said he would be more than happy to do it. So by the time everybody's officially into the ring and things start getting going, it's pretty apparent pretty quickly on that the young Eric Kulas doesn't have any experience in wrestling. He was not able to work. He was not able to really do anything in there. Um, there's one quote in the book that says the kid flat out couldn't work. He literally had zero talent. He couldn't do anything. And then this is when things take the uh, the infamous turn here. So Kaplan uh, said, I was leaning on the mat when I saw Kulas getting cut. I just remember saying to myself, this can't be healthy. I mean, New Jack is New Jack. And I really love him to death, but I know the point that I saw the cut and the amount of blood coming out, it was definitely going to be a problem. So the kid gets cut. And uh, New Jack is screaming, uh, and then his father starts screaming as well. And New Jack keeps screaming, he's going to die. Now, Kulas himself did not exactly realize how bad it was until he finally looked down at the mat, and uh, then he put his hand to his face and he realized how badly he was bleeding. So at this point, Kulas realizes he is bleeding. He is bleeding pretty bad. The crowd realizes that this might be a little bit more than what was expected to be in the show. A lot of people had known the history of New Jack and Mustafa, but this was a little bit different. So Kulas is screaming in the ring. He's writhing around. He's frightened. New Jack continues to shout obscenities, and Kulas's father starts screaming and getting into a verbal altercation with New Jack. Uh, there were some people in the crowd who had said, I'd never seen anything like this before. Blood was just shooting out of him. The kid's dad was yelling, stop. And um, there was not much that could actually be done at that point. What are you going to do? The show ended up stopping while emergency workers tried to get Kulas out of the building. At ringside, Kulas's father was becoming unglued. His father was out of control. As soon as the kid uh, was done bleeding, I looked over and Kulas was just lying on the mat. He looked like a whale out of water. I mean, he wasn't moving. And New Jack was still punching him and screaming about killing him, although I think that was just New Jack trying to get the attention on him and off of the amount of blood that Kulas had lost. Now, the father was screaming, stop this, and New Jack kept yelling, fuck you, back at him. New Jack finally relented, and the EMT crews eventually made it uh, out of the ringside area. The, uh, the boy's father was, uh, was incensed. He was screaming, this isn't part of the show, that is my son. As they were trying to make their way back to the dressing room, his dad started uh, making like he was going to get into the ring and go after New Jack and Mustafa. However, the father was stopped. Um, the medics were able to go ahead and try to soak up as much blood as they could that had been just spewed all over inside the ring, not to mention all over Kulas's body himself. Now, what was really interesting about this whole situation is as they were getting him out of the ringside area, Kulas still went ahead and put up a middle finger as he was lying on the gurney being taken out. He was still trying 
to play the role of his character, Mass Transit, at the time. Um, wow. The ECW fans uh, started chanting back at Coolis, and um, they were chanting, you fat fuck. I mean, things were really, really out of hand at this point in time. Um, Kulas finally lifted his arms again, initiated an obscene gesture to the crowd, and once again, chants of you fat fuck continued to come out. EMTs took the stretcher out of the building. Now, this is where things got a little bit interesting. Just minutes later, after the show had been stopped, New Jack walked in the back of the dressing rooms, and uh, as he was walking his way, fans were high-fiving him and patting him on the back, showing clear support for what he had done. New Jack himself later told people, not without a hint of pride, I cut the shit out of that boy. Now, as if that night had not gone off the rails enough, meaning, you know, where was this, where was the leadership at the time for ECW? Who decided that letting an undocumented, unqualified person get onto a show? Um, at what point in time do you realize as a veteran, meaning New Jack, this guy is as green as grass, he doesn't know what he's doing, you know, instead of just blading, he took it to the next level. There were so many things that were done poorly. And once again, this is my opinion. I mean, I love ECW, and I love what, what they were trying to do. They were trying to be counterculture, but at this point in time, this was definitely not something that should have ever happened. Now, let's get to the fallout. Now, Request Television Network president Hugh Pinero was less than impressed once he saw the attack on Coolest from New Jack, and he was about to cancel ECW's pay-per-view, which was planned for April of 1997. Now, Heyman actually didn't help the situation any more by his initial statements after the Coolest situation had ended. He later described the attack as, this is Kulas's initiation into wrestling. Wow. I mean, of everything that you could possibly say, that's what you come out with. That was his initiation to wrestling. Well, Heyman eventually negotiated with the company to try to get the pay-per-view back on the air, even telling the pay-per-view provider that they would uh, cut down some of the violent contact. After all, ECW didn't have the prettiest bodies, not the fanciest setups, and the elaborate lighting. However, what ECW had was more violence and blood than what WWF and WCW were willing to put on the program. Well, things don't even take a back step. They continue to move forward as far as the fallout. Soon after, a wrestling website reported that Pro Wrestling Torch, which is a wrestling newsletter, was the ones responsible for reaching out to the pay-per-view company to initiate the pulling of the pay-per-view. Now, the story gained a lot of attention. However, uh, the company did state that they had nothing to do with that. They had nothing to do with reaching out to uh, on-demand and sabotaging, which would be barely legal, in April of 97. Uh, the Torch columnist Bruce Mitchell said, It started out on the internet site iWrestling, and uh, it was put out there for the best interest of ECW, to get the story out there and get some mainstream because it got everyone angry on us. Now, the only thing is that that never happened. We never sent anything to in-demand. There's a ton of heat on us, but it was over a false claim. Interestingly enough, the owner of the wrestling website, iWrestling, 
was Bob Ryder, who also handled travel for ECW. Now, what was Ryder's intentions on this? Was it just to get some media attention? Was it to create some buzz for ECW? Not really exactly sure um, what Ryder's thoughts were at that time, but it would be really interesting to hear what he had to say. So, subsequently, more shows started to get canceled for ECW. In specifics, uh, the University of Kentucky canceled a show that they had planned to have on their campus, and um, the Kulas incident uh, continued to be something that was brought up. So, Paul Richard, who promoted the Revere show in Massachusetts, which Kulas became, obviously, uh, an involuntary blood donator, as the author says, um, no state or law enforcement or broadcast officials ever called on him to question him about the incident at the show. Now, we have subsequently heard different rumors and speculations that the police were looking for New Jack after this had happened. New Jack had done some shoot interviews where he had talked about how there was going to be some uh, some warrants that were out for his arrest and it would lead to a court trial. There's a lot of things that you can follow the story a little bit more in depth with if you watch... Uh, the Dark Side of the Ring, the New Jack episode, I think it is really, really good. Uh, New Jack, it really did hurt his career, in my opinion. I think things went from being, oh, there's this guy who wants to substitute. Okay, got it. Oh, man, he's going to be working with New Jack. Now he wants New Jack to blade him. And it just went from bad to worse. Um, but like I said, you can definitely follow up. There was a court case that was uh, that was held as well. So anyone who was paying attention could see that the ugly truth behind uh, what would be ECW's eventual collapse, the things that made it so popular uh, to its intense loyal wrestling audience were the very things that would lead it to its eventual demise. Now, it did get increased media attention in a two-part report that aired on WJAR-TV in Providence, Rhode Island, reported Dana... Um, Kolish focused her first part on the Kulas New Jack incident with the second installment covering ECW's bloodlust. Uh, the most memorable moment in the segment was when the reporter cut from Heyman remarking that kids shouldn't be going to ECW events to a shot of kids having no problem buying tickets for an ECW show. Axel Rotten said that especially as ECW expanded into new towns, a lot of people who came to the shows finally began to realize this was not the family-friendly wrestling of yesteryear. Truth be told, this was not going to be a Hulk Hogan or a Honky Tonk Man situation. It was going to be a lot more bloody and more brutality. People, in fact, were actually leaving events vomiting, and mom and dads quickly realized this was not the place to go when the talent were openly using the F-word as blood would splatter into the crowd. Now, ECW's wildness even lent itself to the company's difficulty in holding on to arena contracts in a handful of cases. More than one ECW show ended with a near riot when building officials promising themselves they would never rent to those wrestling maniacs again. Um, there was a couple of buildings that, even into late 1999, for reasons beyond ECW's control, decided that they would no longer rent to the ECW brand. And for all of Paul Heyman's talk about stepping it up to the next level and competing with WWF and WCW, you know, ECW was a company that had lost more than a dozen pieces of its top talent and a company that had yet to draw 2,000 people to a show. But the company remained as influential as it was. 
The WWF even tried to do its own version of ECW when they debuted Shotgun Saturday Night on January 7th of 1997. Now, the show bombed, did not do very well whatsoever, and a lot of hardcore ECW fans and WWF fans alike realized this was nothing more than a lame, watered-down attempt at reenacting ECW. Now, ECW did end up returning to Revere, Massachusetts the same night that Shotgun Saturday Night debuted, but it was not exactly what fans had gotten in the first round. It was a much more scaled-back version of ECW, and in fact, the only blood that was on the show was a small trickle from the head of the Sandman. Now, as for our main focus of this chapter, Eric Kulas, he filed a lawsuit that was still pending when ECW closed its doors more than four years later. The case basically stalled out when Kulas died a year later. At the age of 22, Eric Kulas passed away of complications from gastric bypass surgery. And that ends the chapter of mass transit. So here are my thoughts before we kind of put a bow tie on this. I don't know anywhere else, and maybe I need to be corrected, or maybe somebody, a promoter out there can tell me, oh yeah, we've taken walk-ups, but I highly doubt any credible independent wrestling promotion would allow someone to straight walk through the door to not only lie about their age, not only to lie about where they were trained, specifically when the trainer was there, alleged trainer was there, then to put him in a match where he was not prepared whatsoever. Guys, wrestling's a show. You know it, I know it, we all know it. But at the end of the day, what these guys do is real. There is nothing fake about what they do. They put themselves through a lot of brutality, physical and mental as well. And to have a kid come into a situation like that, completely unchecked, and to put him in a ring, I put ECW at fault for that. I don't care what this kid claimed. I don't care what this kid said. I don't care what his father said. At the end of the day, there needs to be some level of accountability. And like I said, I love ECW. But at the end of the day, that just screams lawsuit. That is such a poor decision as far as management is concerned. Once again, these are strictly my opinions. They are coming just from me. But the mass transit situation will be remembered for years to come. I mean, we're still talking about it right now. And this was back in 1996. It's 2020, and we're still talking about it. What are your thoughts on the mass transit situation? Who do you put blame on? Do you put blame on Eric Kulas? Do you put blame on his father for going along with his whole charades? I mean, the kid is a minor. At the end of the day, the parent should know when to step in. Or do you put the blame on ECW? Do you say, well, they probably shouldn't have let him on the show? And they probably should have checked if this guy says he was trained by Killer Kowalski. Or do you put the blame on New Jack and say, well, you know what? He got through the door. He's in the match. He's with New Jack. And not only did New Jack have color, get this kid color, but in a very brutal way. Who gets the blame? Or is it all evenly divided up amongst all the parties? It was bad. It was very bad. You know, Eric Kulas did not help himself. Eric Kulas, in my opinion, looked for an opportunity. He found an opportunity, and he went with it. And I think in his mind, the mind of a 17-year-old, if we can all go back to that, was that he was just trying to make his break in wrestling, and he thought, man, what better opportunity? 
than to get in the ring with Devon Dudley, to get in the ring with New Jack and Mustafa and myself, and, and let's get some notoriety here. And if I can get some color and make it look good, man, I think a lot of other people will want to book me. I saw that vision probably running through his head. Now, was it necessarily the right one? Absolutely not. Was it the most logical one? Absolutely not. But it happened. It's a part of history. It's a part of wrestling. And that is Chapter 12 of the extremely unauthorized story of ECW. Hit me up, you guys, on social media. Let me know what you think about this chapter. Let me know what your thoughts were when you first heard about the mass transit situation. You can hit me up. I am at Mike Freeland, M-I-K-E-F-R-E-L-A-N-D. You can also hit us up on the podcast as well. We are on Twitter at FRM Podcast. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are from a wrestling perspective. Where are you at the show? Uh, do you know anyone who was at the show? Do you know anyone who knew Eric Kulas? Would love to get your perspective on this as well. Remember, if you enjoy what we're doing, by all means, cruise on over to iTunes, leave us a review, let us know what you like about it. But we're getting excited because our next episode will be Chapter 13, which is going to be ECW's first pay-per-view, Barely Legal. So just as a teaser, obviously they were able to get the pay-per-view back on schedule. Barely Legal was a huge moment in the history of ECW, and we're going to chronicle it in detail on the next episode. Guys, I hope your Monday is going well. I am Mike Freeland, and I'll catch you next time. Stop.